Hello, welcome to Kickers of Elves on Lynch. This is Wade. Just a note before we get into this one, uh, you may notice it sounds a little bit different. All of us this time, because, uh, well, hey, this one we recorded in 2018, not as part of the Kickers of Elves on Lynch project we're doing, but back in a Patreon-exclusive miniseries we did on Frank Herbert's book, Dune, which you might notice in this podcast that we harp on the book a lot more up top, especially, than we do on David Lynch. But we get into the film and David Lynch and whatnot. Just, uh, you know, the context might be a little bit different, but hey, we covered it more than well enough, I think, in this, and I don't think there's anything we could say about Dune that we didn't cover in this one, so we thought we'd just give it to you here. If you want to hear the rest of our Dune thoughts, you can go to patreon.com slash kickersofelves and find the whole Much A Dune About Nothing miniseries, and you can find the first couple of those are probably, they're out on the uh, internet somewhere. Go to kickersofelves.com, I think uh, the Hashish and Superiority Book Club maybe put those out as a unlocked bonus, but... If you want to hear the, what we have to say about the rest of it, go to the whatever. Or not. You're here for David Lynch, and this is what you'll get. He who controls the spice controls the universe. Right. Kickers of Elves presents Much Ado About Nothing, our ongoing audio exegesis exploration of all of the different iterations of Frank Herbert's Dune. With me is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. The listening audience at home could just imagine me just wandering into my recording studio with my pants around my ankles and bewildered look on my face, because <laughs> I'm sure that's how I sounded. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, my na- and my name is Wade Bowen. I forgot to say that, but you know that because you probably are listening to this on our Kickers of Elves Patreon, so maybe you're familiar with our body of work. Yes, today we're talking about <laughs> Dune from 1984, directed by David Lynch. The theatrical cut comes in at 137 minutes, PG-13, and here is the IMDb description. A duke's son leads desert warriors against the Galactic Empire Emperor and his father's evil nemesis when they assassinate his father and free their desert world from the emperor's rule. That's a weird way to put it, but yeah, that's what happens (laughs) in this movie. I mean, I guess that is the plot of the... That is the plot of this movie, is it? Yeah, no, that's the plot of... I mean, it's it's arguably the plot of Dune, but that's kind of what I need... What I guess coming in... Uh, right out the gate. This is the big one. This is where it feels like a lot of people's um, impressions of Dune come from. Right in the popular culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And and in my 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 bone to pick with you guys after listening to our two on the book. I'm not gonna start fighting here. I don't want to do that. 
but it feels like a lot of maybe, and you've said yourself that your first impressions of Dune are from this movie. Yeah. And a lot of what my, when <laughs> your rejection of my uh, ideas about what the book is, has in it that maybe you didn't see as much felt like, well, if you're coming at it straight and this is what you think the movie movie and the book is and it kind of solidifies what you think it is and then you go in and read the book later and the all the stuff that's in here it's a pretty I mean it's a lot of it is pretty true to the book I, and there's weird things that happen to a to a fault. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, actually, you say to a fault, but I say it's immersive, like immersively abbreviated. Abbreviated. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, right. Sure. Well. Yeah. But but it's like things straight. I think it's it's an interesting lesson in how not to do an ad- adaptation. When people say don't try to stay, take verbatim from the book in an adaptation, it's a different medium. You need to do it differently. This movie, in a lot of ways, I feel like tries to take verbatim stuff out of the book and transfer it to a visual image. And then some things it's hard to do, so they just make shit up and add new elements to it. But then there's so much as, like, the dialogue is straight from the book. Wait a minute. Would would you say that this the book is unfilmable, as is? I think any book... I mean, I think most books are unfilmable as they're written. You need to... Adapt them to. I mean, except for like old country, old men from old men is pre- and like the Maltese Falcon, and we've got we've got a lot of them that are that aren't that aren't murder murder mysteries work best they right, work but those well. are books right. that are written well to that end. Like other Cormac McCarthy's are a lot harder to do that with and have had very sure. success. But also the Coen Brothers are great. But that's like that's like Cormac McCarthy writing an Elmore Leonard book. It's more it lends itself to that more so right well i mean that, that my my point is that that let, let's not act like they're all impossible but when but i would just think that we're all on the same page though when it comes to yeah, dune yeah. as a book whether you care for the story or not it's not it does not lend itself to a theatrical cinematic thing i think that's a straight adaptation where you're taking stuff out of the book, yes, but I think I I think it sounds like we might have a slightly different opinions on to what degree. I think most books you have to change around to do. Yeah, I feel like I'm totally confused on your point. Are you saying that the let me, let me get the question out? Are you saying that the book is uh, the movie is give us the wrong impression because it's too faithful, or that it subverts the meaning of the book? And we can't get with we've been programmed to view the book a certain way because of the movie, and it's hard to decondition think, this. No, I well, I think the the movie takes a reading from the book that is in the book, but there's all these extra little <laughs> right that because yes, it's a standard hero narrative or whatever. But there's also these all this stuff about the themes are there that are about like the worst thing that can happen to a people is they find a hero and like his fear of 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 jihad and trying to avoid it is in the book but they didn't take that stuff to this adaptation into the movie but they did take verbatim the thought of what's going on and in the characters heads and just do it as voiceover narration you know that was very that was that was not that was mercifully short as well though like because those conversations yes those conversations did take place in their head but they did in the book and 
they did in the book and that informed their motivations so you knew what was going on well that's 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 what that's my point that's that works in books a lot of the time that's books do that all the time but it very rarely works well when they do that and just put voiceover thoughts in a movie right. that's why you when you adapt things you sure. find ways to take those thoughts from, that are in the book and write them into scenes that are different and whatnot so who's reading this who's reading this book and thinking it's going to make a great two-hour movie that's what i want to know well i well, thought it would make a good three-hour i mean joe right. at least he acknowledged it would have to be 22 hours long for him to do it how he wanted and i could see <laughs> right, that's, right so that let, let's take that out of the picture because we're not at he's what joe didn't realize is that he was somebody who was built for the golden age of television and he was born you know 48 years too early okay so that's his that that's a completely different thing could you imagine him going from holy mountain to having like a hulu show yes i could (laughs) crazy that would have went great it's like the orville Orville thing it's where like you know uh seth MacFarlane's character gets uh a ship because they have thirty thousand of them that they need to fill out that's how the golden (laughs) age of of television if you have an an indie hit in 2017 or 2018 or whatever i'm sure like i'm sure greta gerwig if she wanted to sign a two-season deal with fx could probably go walk into the office and get one right now right so i'm I don't think it's a stretch to think that if Joe Dorowski had an indie hit, if he made a Holy Mountain last year, he could be telling a, a Dune story, you know, uh, oh, on yeah, Showtime. Yeah. I was like, oh, th- there's this for- weird, for- oh, let's give him Young Pope. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, or Young Pope is probably the best bet. Yeah. I mean, because exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorrentino yeah. makes this two broad, very intense broad movies, and then they give him like a eight-hour show. It took two countries to fund it, but like... Right. So let's uh, hold on. I I I, I do want to like I I, I want to get I want to get like our like an introduction like our. So we want to unpack. Yeah, we want to unpack what. Our... So let's yeah let's each one go through and say. I want to know what Wade thought of, of it as a movie. I guess. Yes. Yes. Oh, um, it's a mess of a movie. It's got some great imagery in it. Uh, yeah. But it's such. But I like like I said like all that voiceover like. And whispered thoughts is just killed me. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Uh, it was hard to get through, but but then every now and then uh, you see uh, Patrick Stewart holding a pug and shooting a gun, and I'm like, yes. There's like these images that pop on screen, and then I'm just like, oh, all right, or yep, you know what my favorite is, but. <laughs> <laughs> rat cat rat cat man yeah, yeah. you have to I, milk every day. you have to milk this thing to stay alive he taped a rat to a cat <laughs> so my favorite thing about it is that i feel that david lynch gave something like we talked about how the book had no soul this book is i mean this isn't a magical movie and it may be one of his worst movies i'm not gonna like i love 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 david lynch i think he's probably right, one of, right. not just one of the best filmmakers to ever uh, he, i think he's one of the best filmmakers to ever live and i think that he has had a like i think that we can speak about his career in kubrickian terms um mm-hmm. and as as that level of genius of what he's doing and i think that this was um probably like his second act trial like this is where like the, the hero gets way low like this is his Empire <laughs> yeah. Strikes. Like this is his personal Empire Strikes Back. If we were <laughs> right, using right. nerd terms about it, like I think that he was growing as an artist, but being ground down by a system that he shouldn't be working in. And so, uh-huh. ultimately, to me, I think Dune is a very important movie in film history. 
because it inspired the man to go back and make Blue Velvet and basically then create the the environment that David Lynch will work in for the rest of his life where he basically he finds what his yeah. voice is and what his box is and where he will work from and that and, and that dune was too much of an overblown of that that being said you have this beautiful it's a mess and it's a mess it's a beautiful soulful but, mess yeah it's also where he learned what he, what he did not want to do did you enjoy watching it though james this rewatch i loved oh my god every 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 bit of it i get a little really? draw down at the end yeah, I, 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 I don't, I think every, like I'm going through right now and I'm watching and I, I don't want to keep, uh, I'm watching the sci-fi series, dude. And almost point by point, I can show you where a more energetic vision was being portrayed at every moment than, than what you see All in. Right. Well. Can I get the sci-fi series Dune and in what's in the book? So I didn't I didn't see energy in this at all because the but I mean in the performance I mean that they're doing their job but it just I, well, well here's the it, thing here's it, here yeah. it, I felt that the stuff that I did not like about it was the stuff that was straight out of the book I found some of these scenes were so boring to watch they're just yes, boring the obviously. information yeah, yeah. conveyed on the screen is boring I didn't care for it. Just I just don't care for the story. So watching the story on screen, it makes me it just bores me to tears. Meanwhile, the stuff that I I love is I love the actual craftsmanship that went into it. I love the set design. I think it's beautiful. I like the colors. I love the costume design. I like some of the costume design. Some of it kind of annoys me. But like when you're watching the steel suits, the steel suits are pretty cool. Sorry, sorry. Good. I think I like the steel suits, except for the fact that they're not covered up. You they don't have any sort of real mask or yeah, that's kind of silly. Where I I imagine well, it's it's also okay. You'll see in the in the sci-fi dude. In the book, there everything's covered up yes, by the right. You'll see in sci-fi dude how fucking irritating that gets over time. That's another reason why I think that when you're working in a visual medium, taking stuff from a book where everybody's face is covered up for two thirds of the of the book is probably a bad yes. idea. Well, that's yeah. like why in every Marvel movie, with in the comic books, they have their mask on all the time. But for some reason, Wolverine never wears a mask. Spider-Man's mask gets ripped off in all the important scenes. It's just because you know they. It's a film in film. Films and TV, they just want to show the actor's right. face because that's where emotion moting happens. It. And I get you know, it. Mm-hmm. but that's but, another yeah. knock like against the f- when people say Dune is unfilmable, and I think it's a foolhardy endeavor yeah. to because the thing is, is that everybody wants to get points for being faithful to the book and so if you're going to be faithful to the book having the still suit having a desert people wander around with their face unprotected is well but most of the important scenes with dialogue and stuff are going to be in siege halls and out not maybe not the open desert well, okay which it's ways to do it but it's not it's not that's not what makes it impossible to film no, i'm just saying it's a it's a it's a death by a thousand cuts wait is what am i what i'm what I'm saying. I, I guess i mean I, there's ways to get around it i think but it's they try and sci-fi dude. i'll take your point we'll have to we'll pick up this conversation on sci-fi dude he, he, can, <laughs> right. he composed some of these shots beautifully i agree that visually yes. it is it's wonderful. Visually, it's just, I just and yeah. that, that, that's why it's such a strong film and I was I was listening to Chris Ware interview lately, and because he's a comic book maker, he talks he talks famous about cartoonist. Yeah, he's a car- famous cartoonist <laughs> who talks about imagery and the power of image quite a bit. And he was talking about how uh, memory is supplants stuff in, in, in how we remember enjoying something. So basically, like when you're reading a comic, mm-hmm. the imagery 
has a different it operates on a different level than the actual narrative because the imagery itself is what stays with people long after they forget the stories of the details details of the story rather and i feel like that is a very like dune is a very dune 84 lynch dune is a good example of that because Mm -hmm. the imagery is so striking and because you had somebody with such i mean we've never seen i mean i'd love to give david lynch 150 million dollars and a cast of thousands to do whatever he... He wouldn't know what to do with it. He, but, well, yeah. I mean, but he does... That's, that's not true <laughs> entirely. Because he... His... The the designers that he set up for this, right? They did a wonderful... I mean, the, the set yeah. designs were beautiful. Like, no, I would no, like no, to yeah, see... Yeah. He, I would like to see something like that, like this again. Because it was so... It was mm. so uh, extravagant and well done. I mean, the money was on the screen. You know, they always talk about how much that cost. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The no, money yeah. Was it was clearly on the screen. It was gloriously luscious. Yeah. When that, I'll just start it. Like how it starts is so much. It's it's so exciting and titillating. Not the not the boring preamble shit with Virginia Manson talking to you. But you have this scene where the 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 navigators are going to go talk to the emperor, and so you open up into the scene that like it, like it's all like this really weird looking throne room. Oh yeah. With this really beautiful throne. This classic actor Jose Ferrer is the emperor and you you see all of these people running about and they're all in these like yeah. Prussian uniforms and the women are all dressed like Whistler's mother Bald and Whistlers, it's all yeah. like and everybody's holding a <laughs> right. And and everybody's holding a dog. <laughs> the dogs and I love. It's, <laughs> and it's so and it's so fucking awesome and all the people behind jose ferrer are like these old men like they look like old cuban men or something it's beautiful and um and then he you know they call in and he says like uh he wants his witch who's this like half bald like metal thing teeth. And, and he's like i need you to read the, the mind the, 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 the she's got a gorilla. metal yeah. teeth metal teeth <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> later on you see a guy with just a metal nose oh yeah yeah um like <laughs> and then they bring in the navigators the navigators are dressed in like like quilts, like black leather quilts. Oh, yeah, pleather like, or they're yeah, and they and they've got their weird vacuum cleaners and attached to a train engine that opens up. That's a great yes. way to put it. Yes, and everything about this is weird. And then they have to speak because they speak in some language. Then they have to talk into a 1940s oh, yeah, the, microphone. All of this is all very Lynchian. Yeah, the guild mic translator because oh, they're we, so they're, fantastic. They have this weird blah 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 blah. Tell you Bene. Tell your Bene Gesserit witch to leave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then this giant tank uh, that looks like, um, and that kind of that artwork, like it looks like it's from Metropoli- uh, right. Metropolis or something mm-hmm. like that, right. like Fritz Lang or something. That is the same. He still uses those kind of pieces in like like uh, Twin Peaks oh. Returns. You see a lot of that kind of like pig iron, 1920s pig iron designs in that. And so the way it kind of moves in and it opens the tank, this giant ball sack talking, floating ball sack. That's exactly what. With a vagina on it. Starts to put like, and talking and like, and it, everything it about it is the, so. The like, orange just gas like, coming out of its mouth. Those close ups. Yeah. Those unnecessary. You don't, you, you oh, can yeah. have one close up to those weird ball sack lips. But he chooses to have like five or six weird. Yeah, every yeah. one he can yeah. get. Yeah. Even after he had to cut forty minutes out of yeah. the movie, he was like that. That shit stays. stays. Yeah. And it's so 
great and it's um and it works it's like it it, it i don't know yeah. it makes me like it lets you know god first off you're in a weird ass <laughs> fucking movie and it's thrilling and it's a lot of thought is in it that was the best but you're talking about the best scene in the movie a scene that is not oh, that god, is yeah. not oh, yeah, in the yeah. book uh yeah the yes. guild navigators <laughs> in the book are not they they never get to stage level three guild navigators which are things that show up in later Dune books. I guess maybe that's where you got the idea to grow up the uh, Eraserhead baby. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm sure that he read or saw one of the later books that they have these things. was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm putting that in that movie. I don't care if these weren't in this book or not. I'm throwing it in there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to... All of that stuff, it just shows like a confidence of filmmaking that... There's other scenes like that. There's, um, but yeah, just, I, I don't know. I like it. I, th- I do think that ultimately Kyle McLaughlin is probably horribly miscast. I think a lot of, I feel I like think, a lot of the casting didn't work well for me. Like, Jose, for, it's great for what he's doing, but in I my. I really had no problem with most of the cast. Like, my, well, the, the they're cast fine. wasn't a problem for me. <laughs> well, they're fine for, yeah, because you hate the story. I do. They're f- well, because the shit that had to come out of their mouth was, like, impossible for oh. them to. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It was awful because it was, yeah, and it that's was just like, dialogue. it was here. the stuff that it has to say in the. That's from the book, though. But there's, but there's that kind of shits in like sci-fi books all the time, and that can be written better into a, if a the script. Book is, the book most, is a humorless wasteland. It's really it is. No, it's pretty. There's nothing to humor. It's fairly humorless. There's no. It's self-serious. There's no nothing to like make you think that they're that humanizes anybody at any point. I had that same kind of thought earlier today, and like, well, I guess he kind of writes quote unquote jokes in for, that Gurney Halleck makes, but they're like D and D seventies sci like sci-fi jokes that aren't real. It's just like they're like jokes my father exactly. makes and I have yeah. to like laugh at. Yeah. But they're, they're not, not funny. funny. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. But but like and it, it's just my taste for this adaptation. It's it's just you know, that the um that the Emperor is kind of like a bumbling uh, old guy. Like I want I want that Jodorowsky, Salvador Dali emperor in a weird robot costume <laughs> instead of a guy in, in a 19th century uh, uniform. But that's just my taste for what sure. I want this adapt- uh, adaptation. Are you insulting the great Cyrano de Bergerac? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great stuff in this cast. Like a lot of like uh, Brad Dorif is yeah. in it for like five minutes. Yeah. Um, Dean Stockwell is surprisingly oh, great in it. Yui, as, uh, yeah. One thing that's weird as shit to me is like it's got a lot of this like stunt casting. Like Linda Hunt is in it for like two seconds. Yeah, yeah. A year after she won the great uh, the the best supporting yeah, actress yeah. Oscar. Like I don't like it, which I think, it, so maybe I don't really there was a it. lot of scenes that got cut with her in it. Nope, I, I watched the big. Well, I don't know, maybe, yeah. but I, I watched the extended. I, cut I was looking for that too. There's, there's, yeah, more. there's like one more scene. She the the Chris mm-hmm. knife stuff that is mostly cut out of this, where Lady Jessica gets a Chris yeah. knife or whatever. That's kind of cut. I think maybe there's more of that that got cut. He was trying to cut a lot of the like the very particular nerd shit. Yeah. Out. Like he cuts out this the concept of the weirding way. Right. And then um yeah. And which is a type of like storm shadow snake eyes combat. Like you're talking about like the the voice. Yeah. Well the, the voice the is weirding the, the weirding no, way. No, like they have like a kung fu fighting. It's kind style. of like. Um, and they kind of replace it with these weird noise guns. But yeah, the weirding way in the book is mm-hmm. this, it's been a guesser at tradition of like, 
And I think the idea is that they've evolved and trained over 20,000 years to where they can find ways to get insights into what the other person is doing and read the other person's mind a little bit by just each quick little motion and to anticipate what they're doing or to to place yeah yeah, or to place images and yeah it's 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 basically that he asked he asked the story is he asked frank herbert like what would that look like and frank herbert described what david lynch assumed sounded like kung fu (laughs) and he was like i'm not i'm not putting kung fu (laughs) in the desert i'm not doing that i'm not putting kung fu in the desert my favorite parts is when david lynch was actually shows up in the movie Oh, and yeah, he yeah. Talks, in he it. Talks, He's like, oh, what about the spice, mister? Sire. I didn't know that was you, sire. <laughs> Him saying sire with that Midwestern drawl was just yeah, so yeah. great. Yeah, he's dirt yeah, yeah. all over his face and like goggle. But the weirding yeah, way, the, the weirder um, way gets it. They make a big deal in the book about him, them tr- them getting trained in the weirding way, and it never yeah. and that and that uh-huh. never pays off. Like you never, there's no scene where the Freeman are are actually actively using it in the book. Well, I, it's it's in one of that like it happens like a lot of things in the book later in the book as 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 he realized he had the meeting with <laughs> yeah. his uh, publisher. Is it got kind of like cut right. between chapters where they're doing right, all this right, ISIS right, right. shit? Yeah. It's uh, in a montage. Well, I that mean, they're using it. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it just yeah. makes them even better fighters. That's, I mean, that's what the weirding way yeah. does. It's not like it made it made them terrorists better, <laughs> right? Let's talk about Mintats because I know that that's what. Oh we... yeah, and that's the other thing that, like, yeah, it's fine for this adaptation. In my in my reading from just the book, that but before I because I read the book at books plural before I saw the Dune, uh, David Lynch Dune that. In my mind, Mintants weren't just bumbling old men that were really smart. They're just kind of like these very precise, actual Vulcan-like machines. In my reading of the book, I thought the Mintants were kind of fucking right. foolish. Right, that goes back to um, kind of the that, point I was trying to make at the beginning, that I think maybe your reading of the book is more but colored. They never, but they always fail. They've both. We have two Mintats in the book, and they both fail in their missions. Right, but they, the book is... And they're also kind of like bumbling ass, like dumbass. The book is very... Very uh, precise to point out that when they fail, it's not because of just they'd fail because they're fuck ups. It's because they're giving given the wrong information. Like you give the wrong information to a computer, it's going to give you the wrong result. And the book is very clear that that's what causes their fuck ups. Is that they don't but have all the same. I mean, that sounds like it sounds like it sounds like Vladimir Putin could flummox them <laughs> right. pretty easily, right? Misinformation. Sure. Facebook, Facebook only algorithms is what it right. algorithms. Well, that's <laughs> why you have uh, the book also has that's well, his gotta, human computer, but he's also got a spy master. He's got uh, Gurney Halleck. He's got a sat. You do have to admit that the book has a theme that's carried over in both both versions of the movie. The book has a theme that the Mintets are like hard logic. Versus the spirituality and of, of the Benny yes. Gesserits. They're specifically put against each other. Yes. Juxtaposed. Right. And the in the book, the Benny Gesserit way is, I know we don't believe in what's correct in the word, but the book is definitely pushing a Benny Gesserit uh, but agenda. But it's not saying that the men... It's specifically it's, saying that the, a, spir- a more spiritual, holistic view of the universe is is a more is better than this cold I don't, logic I don't, shit. I don't agree with that at all. What? I think the book doesn't... I think the book just says because the cold logic of the Mintats is not saying it's bad. It's just like they're. I don't think it. The book doesn't say well, they, Mintats they are, are better than talking get, about the, the 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 limits of the Mintat. They're always Benny Gesserits are always talking about how limited they are by their cold logic, and they're, and they're and they're the ones that are and triumphant in the end. So you know, and Thurford Howitt wins. Uh, 
it does the right thing in the end by looking into his heart, not thinking about logic. So, and trusting the Bene Gesserit. But they're primarily tools of well, they're all the establishment, tools of basically. Establishment. Even the well, yes, but they're not. I I think it's just I and from in my reading of all the stuff, the Mintat stuff is just another bit of shit that Frank Herbert was playing with in this universe to replace, oh, if they don't have computers, they, they have to have human, human computers. computers. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand, but I don't, I don't think that they're... I never I never held them in a high regard. I never held them in a high regard because of the book yeah. as, as something cool, no, I guess. No, I'm not even saying that I held them in such high regard. I always felt like in the book they were treated I'm as I'm just bumbling, saying that I, and I, don't I had a different reading than interpretation sure, of sure. them. That, Your yeah. experience with them. Yeah. Sure. If you were going to draw yeah. a picture of a Mintat, you would probably right. have somebody who looked badass. <laughs> like, maybe broad I, my, shoulders. My picture... Like, no, no. No. My picture of a Mintat from the book, I'll give it to you, is an old, wizened, maybe skinny, actually very Patrick Stewart-looking guy, old, and you know, maybe bald, but, you know, like, takes good care of his body Even, and his mind because a Thufer, even Peter DeVries huh? I'm talking about Hawat who in the book is also how, and they say in the movie him. over and over again how he pictures him in is an ass- is like a master assassin as well right so and sword trainer and stuff where in the movie he's just an old man that it's wrong you know yeah it's fine he teaches him the he's the weirding he's the master of the weirding modules too. oh right but that's sort of yeah. his baby yeah because he's the what old the fuck scientist. Are so modules? It's the gun with the thing the, on the, 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 yeah, under yeah. the neck. What? And then they. And this is in the movie. It's the last thing that Thurfer Howitz, like when they're during the invasion, he goes, Oh, they've burned the wielding modules. <laughs> yeah, right. Like the, the and, guns, the yeah, little yeah. guns that they, they like the little things, and then they go, Pow, pow. I thought we were talking about the book. You're talking about the, the guns, the voice guns from the movie, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. That's, okay. yeah, yeah. Those. And he goes, Pow, right. pow. So, I like the voice We're pow. talking about the movie. We don't have to go that much more into the book. I'm just saying the Mintats in the movies are different than how I imagined what I got from reading the book. You, you, yeah. And yours, yours and are different. You do it differently, yeah, but, sure. and also you also saw the movie first, so I'm just saying that might color it a little bit. Shit, I didn't remember shit about this movie when I read the book, when I was reading the book. But, no, but well, when we when we were reading the book, you kept referring to the characters as the people in the movie. So, so there's the, that. Were the Mintats in the book all on the drug all on the drugs where they got the stained lips in the book? Yeah, but I don't, I don't refer- remember that. Yeah, they have to drink the Sappho juice. Yeah, they probably no, no, the, the Mintat in the yeah, book. Yeah, because they're all like hopped up yeah, on Adderall. Everybody, everybody's got their own drug that they're addicted to in the book. I yeah, do know yeah. that, right? Is every yeah. everybody's got a yeah? Everybody's got something that they can't. I and in the book, I didn't, Im- <laughs> I didn't exactly picture it that the stained lips was then with Kool Aid mouth, <laughs> which is what they have in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's I kind of love that too. <laughs> um, but well, let's talk about. We didn't talk about what they, uh, what Lynch specifically does with the Mintets, which is give them glorious oh, eyebrows. Yes. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, those are some like mm-hmm. this, they they're very distinctly both. Um, Freddie Jones, who is like a classic British actor, uh, he was in the Elephant Man too. So he okay. was he had worked with Lynch just in the movie that Lynch made right before this. So he was uh, so he was brought over from that, and he uh, and the other one was uh, Brad Brad Dorif, who's been in everything. <laughs> a lot of David Lynch and was in Deadwood. So yeah. you know he's amazing, and, and don't ever speak right, bad right. of it. He's probably most famous for Worm Tongue, right? I guess most famous for younger people for Worm Tongue. <laughs> I was going to say for his Oscar-winning performance in uh, One Flew Over the Cougar's oh, Nest. Yeah, yeah. He was—he's a, a great actor. He's in like ten minutes of this. 
Um, they both have given these great eyebrows, and they're both given these fur-lined jackets, so it's like they look very owl yeah, yeah. Oh, I think is what Lynch was probably nice. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, I totally see, and it's a fine choice for him. It's just not what... It, it differed from my headcanon that I had already. So let's talk about the, the palace intrigue. Let's talk about... Do we want to talk about Harkonnens or well, Atreides? First? I mean, Atreides are pretty like run-of-the-mill, good-looking guys. Good. I mean, they're, they're yeah. pretty. Yeah. I think another weak performance is uh, Jurgen Prognell. Yeah. <laughs> what? Some... He comes up with the line, "This sleeper has awakened." Right? He's like, "That's not. That's not in the book." Yeah, I don't think so. That one the feels sli- new. Yeah, the, that was Lynch. Yeah, that and yeah. my name is a killing word is not in the book either. I do think that you feel like that Lynch had to by cutting out a lot of the stuff he had to. I think that, and maybe this is a biased opinion, but it seems to me that a lot of my issues with the book is it doesn't seem to culminate into any sort of resolution at the end. And so that I feel that, and it doesn't, and that Paul specifically is robbed of like a well-constructed arc. And you think the movie gives him one? So, uh, yeah, I think that they, they don't, like, I think that he... He's the same... I, I think that maybe it's the, maybe it's the potato, like, they, they do... He doesn't do what you always should do, which is make Paul worse at the beginning. You should make Paul a piece of shit in the beginning. And the sci-fi series, uh, from what I've seen, works yeah. that way. Make but, him like um, a spoiled brat that has to learn how to be tough. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So that, yeah. But, um, so they don't do that. They make him a good, a good kid. But he specifically, and maybe this is... I've never I mean, seen anybody put a still suit on like that know, before. Why, Are you <laughs> right. sure you've never done this yeah, before? Yeah. They Des- could, desert style, I think by casting, straight from the book and Kyle McLaughlin doesn't look tough. And so by smart, nature, like when he's, he's, calculating, he's sort so. of a beta. Yeah. He, yeah, he looks smart. He looks smart, but he does. He looks beta or sort of has a sort of a dopiness to him. Yeah. I mean, he's Dale right. Cooper, which is sort of noted as a dopey sort of character. His dopiness in Blue Velvet is a, obviously, Kyle McLaughlin is dopey. He, he owns the dopey male But also sort of dreamy, too. Scope of acting. Like, the, yeah, yeah. the dreamy but, dope. Yeah, not, not ugly. His hair, gay, his hair game is fucking on point. <laughs> like, his hair looks fabulous. So does Jessica's through this whole movie, no matter what happens to him. Uh, but <laughs> well, anyway, except when so, she loses it, when you become a reverend mother. Well, but even then, it's like it becomes interesting. <laughs> right. But, but uh, so she... But it, but they given that to where the water of the water of life is a lot more interesting in the movie than it is in the book it's, at the at this midpoint that he is visited by three worms yeah. <laughs> we three worms come bringing gifts <laughs> but um but then at the end but then at the end by actually cultivating this rainstorm at the end I think that he's pushing a lot of things towards a hero narrative that aren't in the book and the hero is has awakened is the biggest oh, the thing about has the sleeper has and awakened. I think that the, I, the sleeper right. has awakened. I, yes. The sleeper has awakened is what he says when he drinks, because in the book, I, I don't, I didn't get this check off sleeper. If you introduce the sleeper in the first act, he's got yeah. awakened by the, yeah, but I don't get the feeling in the book that once Paul came out of the, the water of life, the whole point of it was that Paul survived the water of life. That was really mm-hmm. all that. Like, I don't remember like a personal, like, step I, forward like I, that he took was a, a huge like an evolution deal. it wasn't it was where his prescience opens up and he sees everything that for me the I mean, book he, had that as a big huge but he was opening up of his character that, though, too but he wasn't he did have prescience when they first landed in the desert, yeah there's too. flashes of it and there's flash it, the movie felt like it was a pretty rote kind of 
taking the stuff that was in the book and doing yeah. it, but also the sleeper has awakened. The sleeper has awakened, and that the worms the, now the, the worms go. That's the whole thing. Yes, but we three were we, we, we three started. Worms bring we, Gibson yeah. Frankincense. Yeah, you started just. We were just talking about the Atreides here, and yeah, Gergen. Some I of wanna, his line readings sorry, are yeah. almost Tommy Wiseau <laughs> <laughs> sounding. Let's be honest. Okay, let's be honest to Jurgen Prague now. He's a great actor in German, yes, Germany, yes. I think. And he was in Das Boot, which is a great movie. He's the lead in Das Boot, and he's great in Das Boot. He's a good actor. He's playing out of... Yeah. He's got a lot of encumbrances. Yeah. And I don't way. even hold it against him, because everybody gives kind of yeah. these... It's hard to do with the shit that they have, and, and they're giving it this yeah. kind of grand melodramatic style that they're doing it so mm-hmm. it, a lot of it comes off kind of wooden you know yeah he's he's it's a tough yeah, performance yeah. I'll, I'll, i'm not gonna deny that and the atreides the uh, costume design I, I didn't like the atreides costume design as much as i like the harkonnens and stuff because no, i just don't like the military <laughs> uniforms that look like 20th or 19th century uniforms but that's just a taste thing for me because there's prussian style which can also be Nazi style, like, but it, it, but when they go to the yeah. desert and they switch over to Rommel right. style, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's giving them Nazi style all the way. So I I do think that Lynch is looking, is designing them with a jaundiced eye. But I wasn't sure if it was because they go over to like the German army desert combat uniforms. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like I mean, it's it's weird. I guess that the whole design of their castles and stuff was to make it really water heavy, and so everything looked like it was made out of like leaking tubes. Oh yeah, on the Caladan and, like, stuff. I like the set design. Yeah, a yeah. lot. Yeah, I I think that both the look of the of uh, Jessica and the actress is is pretty amazing. I thought she, I think she's the best actress in the show. I thought she was. Fine, but <laughs> I didn't. Like, I just get yeah, that. like I wasn't nothing. Nobody's performances <laughs> blew me away in this. I can't believe I have to watch this shit. And I'm looking at the wood carvings in the rooms and stuff. <laughs> she she just starts shrieking for no reason. Like yeah, there's a lot of screaming women. And like it's like yeah, it it all felt. Really I, I think I think she's pretty. I think that she's pretty great. I think that from scene to scene, she was in it. She sold it. She made it work. I, I'm glad. I'm um, glad it worked for you. <laughs> well, I mean, I, don't, I, I like. I don't. I like. I guess I don't like. What is your general critique of this movie? What is the flaw of the movie? I think it one it, the way that it's adapting the book is a bad way of adaptation of just taking scenes and stuff out and trying to translate it straight in there and then finding the stuff that you don't have time for or that doesn't work and just so what kind of would changing you do it. with it where well i'd try to figure out the the themes of it and like okay it's just just basic story and uh all right so this happens in this part of the book i would one i would i would not spend so much time over half the movie is then is the leading up to the duke's death well that's that the leading up of the Duke's death is over half the book. Well, it yeah. So I would cut, but you can't do the whole book in a movie. You got to cut shit out, so, and that's and you're just telling the story. It's a basic hero narrative or whatever. So you you have like one or two scenes, one small scene on Caladan, one scene of them going over, um, and in those scenes you have dialogue and stuff where you establish that the Atreides are good guys or whatever, and and the morals and stuff and who the characters are. Uh, and then you have his dad die, and he goes off and spend most of the time with him in the desert with the Fremen, and then him going back to get revenge and stretch that out so it's not just rushed at the end like it is 
in the book, you ha- now to adapt the book, you have a way you have the chance to ad- stretch it out and still be true to it, but do it better. I think that the book, in, I mean, I think that there is a, I would agree that I think that what's most compelling about the book um, is the desert stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is uh, the most fertile soil, ironically, to, <laughs> <laughs> to build the story from. Um, but I do think that, the book and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of like, I think that you have, like, I think that the plot all happens there. So I think the fear in the, in the King and King and the King, the palace intrigue bullshit. Uh-huh. And so I think, and that's where all the characters are and, and everybody don't have their face covered. So I think that everybody wants to gravitate to adapting to that because that's where the plot happened. People aren't that interested in a whole spiritual journey movie. And so I think that that's the incongruous part of adapting the book and maybe where it becomes unadaptable. The most interesting stuff is not the stuff that you're, yeah, getting. that you're, that, that, that can put be put into a movie. Right. Like with this de- ponderous desert opera, scene, right. like like dates aren't going to see that. Like because this movie spends most of the it of it like with the Duke and palace intrigue stuff, and then really rushes past all the Fremen stuff. But there's a lot of stuff in the book that you could milk with like the water rings and all the Fremen culture that just gets glossed you know, it, over. I feel like it was it's pretty it's pretty fair about all the stuff that it rushes past. Like it, it rushes past. All I mean, the stuff I that rushes past. It does so equally. So, like, if it's gonna well, rush, well, it past- rushes more. I think it rushes more in the after, after in the Fremen stuff than it does. Yeah, with the Duke. And no, stuff. no, 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 I no. Think- um, that's not my point. My point is like okay. they took their time with the Duke stuff, but if if they, what, if yeah. they rush something, it was equal parts rushing. Like I don't feel like the Fremen stuff was any more rushed than any like anything else that was rushed is what I'm saying. Well, I'm just saying that there I'm saying that it was rushed more than the rest of it because there's that stuff there's stuff that just wasn't there. Yeah, we could be splitting hairs. I don't want to bog bog that. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, just, I, I see what yeah, you're saying. But, like I, yeah. I and like I said, I felt like some of the stuff that was rushed uh, particularly with the palace intrigue stuff was merciful from somebody who knows what yeah. they're watching. <laughs> you know, if you didn't yes. know what you were watching, like this movie was yes. incomprehensible yeah. to yeah. me whenever I watched it, you know, 15 years ago and I had not read Dune, it was like, I do not know what I am watching. And I think that led to a lot of my enjoyment of it being wild because that was the case with <laughs> I watching I like too. Eraserhead. Yeah. Like if, Frank like, Herbert could yeah. have written a, a novelization of Eraserhead, and and I could have just watched Eraserhead and assumed I was like missing out of a lot of stuff too. I do think that it comes off as gloriously Lynchian, and so I enjoy that about it. See, I don't. I wondered when I was watching it, like, oh, this is that part of the book. This is that part of the book. Oh, this is straight out of that. That's verbatim that line from that part of the book, and I wondered like. Would this be comprehensible to me at all if I didn't know the no. book? I don't know that it would no, be. It, yeah. it would not. It wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> that it, it would not. Okay, I just want, I'm glad that I've got back up on that because I feel like I wouldn't. And yes, you're you're telling me I'm right. There. Right. Yeah. No. 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 But on the other hand, when is I mean, when's David Lynch made a comprehensible movie? This is true. The straight story. It's literally called the straight story. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, right. right. It's, it's it's fine, and that's a fine book, a work of his. I always feel like he did well, it you over asked, there. So, but, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah but I mean, that, you're right, you're right. <laughs> but yeah, but his best movies aren't even comprehensible. But this is not his best movie. But it's important. no, it's not his best. It's not his best movie. But it this is, is clearly um, his worst movie. He's never made a right. movie worse than this. Yeah, I think this is one of his worst movies. I'm not gonna argue. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that it is. I I'm not the world's biggest Wild at Heart fan, but oh, what? I can see what he's doing. Oh, I lo- I like Wild. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying I like, dude, I to like, make I think, my lunch. <laughs> I think. I mean, all of this is. Whoa, that, it, that blows it, me away. Here you besmirch Wild, Wild heart? at Heart. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it recently. Maybe I. Maybe, maybe I, you need like, to revisit it's been Wild a long time. at Heart. Maybe I need. Maybe I need to revisit Wild at Heart. Which, as far as being a Frank Herbert book is concerned, it's pretty good. Pretty good Frank Herbert book. <laughs> but, but like, okay, for instance, in the book, in the movies, uh, yes, for in the movies, I in the book, I always hated all of the Harkonnen scenes because I thought it was just, yes, they were like yes, it was like, it was like hanging out with it was like hanging out with Skeletor and Merman. Yes, and, I told you they're uh, they're evil villains. Yeah. Yeah, you're the right. You're are right the most that. interesting parts. And, I then, would, I, and then, and then Lynch makes it oh, so he leans into it. Like because the book was horrible, I hated it. I hated every. every I like. I like scene it, in the book. I, I like. I like Skeletor and Merman more than He Man. They're more interesting, but. I, I can see your point. I can see your point. Where we're different. That. But they, I can see your point that bad guys are better than good guys. But, but yeah. nothing that, ha- that happened with them moved the ball down the field plot-wise in the book, where you're, reading, so, you're not reading to find uh, out what's going to happen next in the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I, but I was reading to learn about all this lore and all this stuff. Well, that's yeah, true. I know. That, no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. So, but how, how much he goes into, like, the... Uh, all the, the like he just he was so interested in the Harkonnens. Oh my yeah, god! And yes. every visual element about everything they did in the movie is so pitch perfect. And except for the casting of Sting, every everything I, works. I like perfect. Sting. Actually, I actually think Sting fade, works I as Fade. Just, fade Rafa is not exactly the best three dimensional character. Anyway, you you might as <laughs> right. well. I think Sting. That's true. Yeah. I just I I think that that there is times where it's like and it's inexplicable British accent out of everybody in that family. He's the only one that talks like that. <laughs> I feel I like sometimes feel like you can watch Sting looking at the other actors doing the the Harkonnen stuff to figure out how to do the Harkonnen stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, I see, think that I, even I, if you were going to cast uh, like a British, like even like I think Johnny Rotten would have worked fine as. See, as I think Fade what Rafa I or, what I think it was somebody in the studio got that Joe Dorowski book, and they were oh, like, man. well, we can't get Mick Jagger. Oh, this is this is ten years later or whatever. Who can we oh, get that? Absolutely, it's a rock star, and that's what they want. Oh, no, I, 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 yeah, yeah, you're hundred percent right. I bet Wade. I bet you that's yeah. exactly what they did, and you know, and I I thought it worked pretty well because yeah, he's not the exactly most three dimensional character, and his sneers. I thought he was I, great. Yeah, he was my favorite performance. In this Stink, no, that's not true. Stink is actually does what stunt casting does all the time. Is that you're when when they come on str- screen, you're like, holy shit, that's Sting. You know, yeah, and and exactly. that is a distracting thing. That was my complaint about Jodorowsky's Dune. Is that like he was gonna have all these distracting fuckers who were who are actually iconic and larger than you know salvador dolly is more iconic of a character than the emperor and orson welles right. is more of an iconic character in the popular culture than the harkonnens so see i it, i think that could play what to what he was trying to do and i understand too, that but it, it, you are you're always taking out of it a little bit like my the part of blade runner 2049 that took me out of it was and I was like in that movie 
Like I was sucked in. I mm. loved that movie. But when the when the shuttle was started to flood and Harrison Ford's old ass, you know, I was like, oh my god, they have poor old eighty <laughs> year old Harrison Ford in that cold water. Like that's the first like it, he's been in like four plane crashes. He can't yeah. survive. This cold I was water. like, yeah. So I bet you that script came with a trigger warning for can, him. Can I pause? Can I pause it real quick? Just pause because I got pee real bad. Oh, go pee, and I'm gonna. Yeah, and I'm going to spray my dog with a water bottle. We were talking about what takes us out of the movie and, and how to a degree... Or Sting, right? Stunt, well, stunt oh. casting can. Oh, we, we, were, yeah. we were on Harkonnens. Uh, we're talking we're about the Harkonnens. Yeah. yeah, but like their their costumes were fantastic. Um, they were. The heart plugs, <laughs> that is not in the movie at all, right? No, I mean, in the book, the, That's not in the no. book. And that, what no. a f- horrifying and fantastic Lynchian visual to have. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, that they took out most of the gay stuff. He's still kind of licking his lips, looking at Faye. Right. Which I mean, bit, if you had but... Johnny Rotten, that wouldn't work the same, would it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is this I mean, you're right that he is portrayed as gay for Faye. <laughs> gay for Faye. But it isn't like the petter I mean, there's no children. So let's let's Right, right, right. Well, dude, like but they were never gonna do that. No. Um but you know He's playing it in such a like he does um play it as a Lynchian. Like I, I think that it's not so much the way Baron Harkonnen is portrayed in the book, as more towards like how mm-hmm. Lynch portrays his villains in future movies, specifically Dennis Hopper and oh, Blue Velvet, yeah. Willem Dafoe and 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 Wild at Heart, and ultimately Dale Cooper in Twin Peaks the Return. Okay. So and that that performance is 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 all of a line of a, all of a sort of a sort of a same that's, thing. So I, that's, I that's believe that this is the foundation of that Lynchian archetype character. Oh, you think this is the foundation of that, huh? Oh, well, yeah. Kenneth, yeah. Kenneth, Kenneth McMillan, Kenneth McMillan. Yeah. Cause yeah, I agree. He was great and is great at, but it's also a little bit different from the book where in the book, I kind of saw him as just a slothful kind of fat, slow evil. Like in this one, mm. Always got some energy. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no, no. He's a. Uh, I mean, he gets like hard for death. Like, he gets, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that, like, the pulling the the plug out of the guy, and then this wonderful Lynchian turn where he he blows up. So this is slowly flies up and uh, into the air, and then comes down under the shower of yeah blood, black liquid, uh, just oil? like black, yeah, just bra- black water and. It's I don't just, know. Something. I don't know. It's it's just. I don't know. But he showers it over himself, and he just like loves it, and it's pouring over his face. And there's a no, no yeah. reason for it to happen, other no. than this is like, like this is the it's way. Like he, so gross and decadent and it's fucked. fetish. Yeah, yeah. It's fe- yeah, it's fetished. But like, and that's the way. (laughs) Um, I will point out in the scene. Okay, so three scene things in that scene are so hideous. One of which is that he's got like these giant boils on his face through the whole movie. But specifically in that scene, in this doctor who's played by the old kindly old man from Monster Squad. Is poking at his boils and it's so yeah. gross. Oh, that's so hard to watch. Yeah, and then the really doctors gross. that are with them all have like face deform, like their oh, oh, face yeah. mutilations. Yeah. Were they doctors? They've got I their ears so were, shut. Like, I didn't know what they were. I, servants, servants of the doctor of some or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I don't think because one uh, of them had their eyes sewed right. shut except for these little pipes that are. These are very yeah. Lynchian things. It's, ears it's sewn shut. Uh, Hellraiser body mutilation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Raban takes this thing. In like a like a soda can, which has a rat in it, and he squeezes it, and it compresses the rat like a juicer. 
Oh, and then yeah, he and has a little straw and he drinks the juice from the red. That's rat. a fucking bad dude, isn't it? That's yeah, it was so and gross. I, <laughs> and I like all how the soulless bad guys are all gingers. Yes. <laughs> He's called them large sons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, my two large sons. <laughs> my two large adult sons. Uh, like, oh, yes. Kurt, uh, what's his name? Uh, Oh, the reporter. Kurt, I I can Eichenwald. Eichenwald. I can yes. yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. He's got. He always talks about how they know karate and stuff. My two large adult sons know karate, <laughs> right? And can run around. My two large sons can bring Arrakis to heel. <laughs> yes, that's exactly the vibe that they were giving off. The uh, Harkonnen uh, military are just. They just have like garbage suits or like hazmat suits. No, that, with that big was a Sardacor. When they were deployed, I don't. I, I well, can't tell. I can't, I can't tell. tell. I can't tell either. Right. That well, was my. Was that was just my gonna, next I just point. Assume that that's what they were, but my bad. Speaking about weird suits, my favorite moment. This is cutting to the end. Is when they're waiting to like gurneys in the atomics, and then they look like they get out the the night owls suit when they're invading uh, Ozymandias' palace. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Right. laughs> they get these like white covering so that it turns out that it's like it's the atomics yeah anti-radiation shielding and then they use the atomics and they just take them off (laughs) they're just like we're all ready (laughs) send in the worms right but no uh but yeah they i i can imagine that very uh people who are very much into the world building didn't like that you couldn't see the difference between the Sardaukar and oh, the yeah, Harkonnen yeah, yeah, troops. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. It's such a plot point in the book that the Sardaukar are, are impersonating Harkonnen militia. And it's yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a movie. Don't get too butt hurt over it, but it, you know, it's different. Yeah, yeah, and there, there is. I mean, this is where he is just chunking out whole like, yeah, whole yeah. El- elements of world building. So to get. Yeah. To get right. to that Which, ending, yeah. Well, I mean, you you might have to do to fit into a three and a half hour movie or whatever. The, the Harkonnens were 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 one of the highlights for me of this of movie. I, agree. I mean, even I though do, like, yeah, it's yeah. everything that I find like impossible to watch, body horror, grossness, you know, the, all that stuff. I'm very I get queasy very easily. Mm-hmm. Yet they they were still some of the most memorable things about this movie. Yeah, and on the Harkonnen Getty Prime planet for where the scenes are, isn't there's a building that is a giant statue of him, right? Yeah, Which or something. It's a, or a statuary that they. I don't know. There is an image yeah. of a giant fat baby with like a yeah, giant yeah, fat yeah. person, um, and that I that it is very much like the uh, it took as inspiration. Right, uh, Giger's right. works for for the clearly Getty right. Prime. Some of the architecture just even on the Caladan looked Geiger esque to me. But yeah, yeah, and and in a lot of that, uh, it is Geiger, but it is also that that um, Lynch has adapted that into other Lynchian things. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. but it was probably first. Yeah, I assume that I assume that nineteen. 19- 82 1983 David Lynch was really into HR Geiger. Oh, probably. I'm just going to make that guess. Another big uh Lynchian kind of motif that I saw like when he, they're going through the spaceship and and then just going down into the hole. It's a scene where they're like traveling and it's just a point of view of going down like there's like there Oh uh, yeah, well you see with, them all sitting in that yes, when they take yeah. the I guess is that a thopter or whatever. They take a shuttle up to the to the space jumping rods. Right, uh, and it's yeah. just like they're going through a like a Death Star, a Death Star trench almost. Oh, but yeah, it, yeah, you know, and and then it pans over a big hole and kind of goes down into it. Like, well, that's 
That's in Mulholland Drive. I mean, he has sex in his movies, but he has way more sex in his movies than he has sex in his movies, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lynch has a way of making everything into uh, about sex. Right. So, yeah, so the descending into the hole is very much that. I guess now we can talk about the Fremen. One of the things, oh my God, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you this way. <laughs> okay. One of the things that the book has oh that God. I like more than I did in the movie is the, the in, when the Fremen are all introduced and Paul ends up pissing off that, that dickwad. Uh-huh. Right, and that's yeah. in the extended cut, but I think it's cut from the... Yeah. Re, the, you, that wasn't in the movie you watched, right, Hugh? Right. The, okay, because that's in the extended cut, but like... It's, it's still kind of weird, yeah. In general, it's done better. But you know what? You don't um, miss... Uh, I didn't miss any... Like, Oh, it's yeah, right, they're right to miss, cut it, I, I think. I, like, I, see, I, I, don't think so, I don't think so, because I think that it, that it, it builds... Because what you end up with with Lynch Dune is just that they land. Oh, yeah. She says, you will do what I say. (laughs) He runs into like a little corner. He does. And (laughs) And Johnny finds him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so nothing he did. He did everything my 10-year-old would do. Sure. And at the end, they say, you will lead us. (laughs) Give us your name. And he goes, I will be named Madib or whatever. And so he had done nothing, where at least in the book, he had actually had to like... The bare minimum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had to like do stuff in order to earn their... Their trust. That so. makes more sense that he would have to be. Right, well, and right. You know what? He, there's those two small boys that are in the, all those scenes afterwards. And I bet you those were supposed to be the ones yeah. from the book. Um, right, yeah. right. And he says, I will be Paul Mwadib. Where in the book, him saying Paul Mwadib was him trying to avoid the, it was him trying to subvert the future because he's like, oh, wait a minute. And the what I saw, I was just Mwadib. I can, I can exert some control. That's another sorry, thing. That again? That's, it's just something that happened in the book slightly different than the movie. I want to be honest with you. Everything that involved the premonitions and the, like, I, I didn't understand any of that okay. in, the, in the in the book. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I'm going to tell you why that, because he cannot convey, he doesn't have the, the I power. I can tell you why. He does but, not have right. the power as a writer to efficiently convey what he wants with words so he has to lay out a lot of ideas and a lot of words and like hope that you sift through it what he's trying to say he grapples with the same idea over and over and rewords it over and over i've read a lot of kank the conqueror comic books and they're not as confusing as what it was done i'm not i'm not gonna argue that the guy it's not succinct in in getting his point across in anything there's no understanding of economy was writing yeah i'm not i'm not gonna argue that you know that but also i mean arguably a way you can develop a theme is by talking about it over and over again and the the prescient stuff is a huge theme of the book that I think is pretty integral to my reading. I understand, we're not saying that it's not there. He's just saying it's incomprehensible to to read. Yeah, because it's impenetrable to understand as a character change. It's in, impenetrable in the sense in the sense that how it works practically with the mechanic of like because you were brought up a, a practical problem that he thinks that he he can exert some sort of agency over his visions, and so by naming himself differently, that's what he's doing nobody's arguing that that that's not what happened in the book wait i just understand james's frustration is is that to what degree that this stuff works under like a practical sense is is muddled so he's saying that you're saying that he was instead of taking the name mati is no, that no, the name? it's muadib no, no. muadib he, no, he well, asked, I know, I know what Muadib is, but he's also Mati, their their savior. Their savior is called yes, Mati. Oh, okay, sure. There's Mati yeah. too. Yeah. Yes, but that's not what I was so talking about. I'm, but, that's not what he was talking about. I know. 
I remember. I know exactly what you're talking about. With, Why with, does calling himself after a rat, naming himself after a rat, change the future? Oh, he, he adds the, he added the, the Paul, Paul to it. You would got it with your fourth reading, James. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it it's <laughs> maybe. it's part of the book. That's all that was in my reading of the book and the things. I'm that, not. I'm not saying it's not a part of your book. I'm not saying a part of its reading. I'm not, but James is confused, and that's not something. And that's something that I I caught it too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, not, I know. I know what Wade's saying. But there was, were a few times where I had to. I went back in the passages with the time travel stuff, with the drug stuff, and reread the sentences. And I'm like, and I'm like, uh, if I had a pencil, I could have crossed <laughs> sure. this sentence out because the sentence after it says what he meant much more efficiently and better. So yeah. it gets muddled because it's poorly written and and even and like probably even very little editing because when you're getting paid to serialize something in a magazine you get paid by the words. <laughs> sure. He cut he cut it out because it's unless you spend a lot of time on it it comes off kind of as nonsense. There's a two hour version of Dune and there's four and a half hour version of Dune. Neither one of which included this. To I mean you read it that way, but it's not. It, it's hard for me to say that the general consensus of the plot is being serious elements if everybody keeps cutting it out. Uh, well, it's in an ad. Adaptate like two there two adaptations cut it out. That's like right. oh it's fine, and I see why they did it. Another way to look at it's a hundred percent of the adaptation. But it's <laughs> but a very right. small yeah. yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask. I think I think, and I don't want to. I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts on on Lynch Dune that you want to wrap up before I get into a concluding question for both of you. I will say that we spent a lot of time just to pay service to like the the pods that come before it, not to start fights. <laughs> But to pay service to pods that come before it, we did put a lot of focus on the nature and concept. And I think this is what you were talking about early on, that the nature and concept that the Fremen and that that Paul Maudib is leading the Fremen towards a disastrous oh, yeah. result. And that's in the book. And so that the movie doesn't do that yeah. at all. And in fact, and I can't, this is where I can't remember which cut, but in the longer cut, does, is there a scene in the original, in the two hour cut? With the uh, original Fremen Reverend Mother, where she's talking about oh, the Mati, yeah, and how he will lead them on the righteous jihad. It wasn't in this cut that I saw, and I just watched only yeah. only the yeah. the yeah. yeah. So so it was in the more extended cut. But they is there any mentions of jihad in the movie? No, the Fremen jihad. No. So in the extended cuts, the way he filmed it, it was considered as a very positive thing, right? right. More like a deliverance, yeah. like that Jesus is. That the way that you know that the Messiah will deliver the Jews, it is spoken in that language, and that's the way Lynch adapts yeah. it. According to the movie, at the end, not only does he all he does is win, 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 but <laughs> makes he, it rain. He does it one step further. <laughs> he does it one step further, where he actually achieves the kin- Kindian goal of creating a a climate on right, day. Yeah. Right. So it's this culmination, and that I like because at least it's a it's a. I, I understand why he did it, and I like it because it's a cul- it gives you a concrete thing that Paul has done that is positive. It's a symbol that Paul has changed a racket. Yeah, I mean, I and, I understand for the better. I understand why he did it too, and I the nerd corner in me it raises a lot of questions. Like, oh, I guess he just did a miracle. That's how he did it because yes, otherwise yeah, and they portray it as a miracle. Yeah, and and when the book is so pretends to be so science fiction, hard sci fi heavy, like. Well, how did it do that so fast? Other than just magic, I guess. But other than magic spice, yeah. the spice doesn't make a lot of science. Sense. Well, but it's but, it's um, it's one thing. And but they spend so much time on the climate and the ecology of it that to just do it. So. Yeah, and then that, that but that also that Kynes is looking for a savior who will lead people to eradicate the. I mean, I'm not saying it makes, but it is that Kynes can be summed up as someone who's waiting for a messiah to come and 
bring forth the miracle of 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 a tropical or a tropical climate. I guess that I I don't know that. Yeah, I mean that's his. He, he Kynes has a dream of water on Arrakis, and if a person can bring that quicker, he's for it. But I don't. And he's Fremen, I guess. So he, I guess he's waiting for his Muad'Dib to come. But I don't. For Liet Kynes in the book, for me, it felt more like based in practical science of it. But who who cares? Doesn't matter. It's fine for the. So, it's a fine well, choice to make. He always mentions in the yeah. book the prophecies. So he's like the prophecies, and they'll they show yeah. those. But yeah, uh, yeah. so I mean, for a scientist, he is kind of fucked up a little bit with 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 religion too. Well, he is yeah. really excited about his predator Paul's preternatural ability to put on a still suit. <laughs> well, that's just because he so, just likes a guy that can wear a suit, right? You know. Well, I think uh, is the is the prophecies true? Is what he keeps right, saying. Right, right, right. Yeah, he shall and he shall wear like one of us or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, he believes in prophecies and stuff. And yeah, he's religious. Fine. I do think that that's Lynch finding just that, and that's not Lynch. Lynch like Lynch doesn't yeah, give shit about yeah, right, plot right. at all. Um, it's Lynch. It's Lynch putting on a filmmaker basic. Oh yeah, for a basic filmmaker, if you're realizing that the realizing that the story is missing something at the end that it needs, sure. and that that end is is to give. To give a rack of something. A satisfying punch. Yeah. 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 Especially if you don't think you're going to make them, if you don't think you're going to be making a sequel, it's just like make it rain at the end so I can be done with it. <laughs> and, and, yeah. The- but also that it, but it gives you some, it gives the, it gives the Fremen, the whole plot line of the Fremen as looking for a messiah. Yeah. Is, is not, is not, yeah, it's fine. Or it's cheap, but it's not, calm, it's not given, it's not given a, period or it's not given it closing punctuation in the book for me it's laid out through all the prescient stuff and the chapter headings and everything but, but where it's gonna go but we're talking about the yeah. movie he is on the same wavelength as me is finding yeah, yeah there's a there's like a there's an unsatisfyingness nature to the ending of the book he does record he does film the we will be remembered as wives line oh my god uh but i think that i think that's only in the extended cut. Uh, yeah. okay one interesting thing i realized in this movie, you don't ever actually see any spice except for like spice gas in in the navigator tent. Yeah, yeah. You There's don't. no spice that mm-hmm. you actually see. They just say it's in everything, and he sniffs his fingers. <laughs> Famously, sniffs <laughs> his yeah, fingers. yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And then they smell cinnamon point, when the worm Wade. gets in there. It's like that's no, that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite things about the book, is that it that Frank Herbert says that the spice, when he introduces it, could smell like anything. And then he says, and the first time somebody smelled it, it smelled like cinnamon. And then from then on, he referenced it as smelling like cinnamon <laughs> for the rest of the book. He said something that could smell <laughs> like anything. He just like, oh, fuck it. It's going to smell like cinnamon. Uh, um, <laughs> it's with a dumb fucking book. <laughs> um, does he offer to in the uncut version? Does he offer to Mariel Erlan Ir- Erlani Virginia Madsen? You mean the theatrical cut? Yeah, yeah, in the theatrical in the cut. theatrical cut. No, <laughs> he just okay. Yeah, I don't I think, think so. I guess she's she's only there. To, she's only there to give that dumb monologue at the beginning. Huh? In the in the booth cut, he at the end he does do it. And then goes to Cheney and go, you know, he does the thing. Yeah, he yeah. does the. Yeah, I still only gonna be with you, baby. <laughs> well, uh, to Sean Young yeah, too. Yeah, right. And her prime. Oh, yeah, you get to see a lot of people's fillings when they scream. I noticed Lady Jessica's there fillings. There's a lot of there's noticed, a lot of dental work that needs that, to be cleaned uh, up. <laughs> Kyle uh, McLaughlin has, you know, you millennials might remember, crowns, might might not know, but our fillings used to be, you know, little metal pieces in our. Now they've got their ceramics. You can't even see notice. Yeah, but like, it, yeah, a lot of time I was 
like, oh, wow, at least they still have dental work. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I do think I love Everett McG- McGill, but I do think that like yeah. making him the face of the was, Fremen was a little bit weaker than I think they yeah, could have done. Like, so. Why, yes, you will be the leader of... Yeah, like, oh, my God. It's not, not the best. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is still so... Uh, upright and because it's got such a distinct i mean like that we have god we wait we have one son and the, the, the likes of god, god has, has never, never seen. seen i enjoy the shit out of this movie i really do i i get that it's it's a broken movie <laughs> right. but it's a Some, to me i think it's a it's it's a it's a it's a circumstantially broken yeah. movie and and the brokenness of it is very interesting and do in lynch's mm. oeuvre <laughs> Well, yes. to, to move, I mean, I'm glad that we did, we did do a good job of talking about how it fits in, mm-hmm. in Lynch's uh, overall, like, mm-hmm. cinematic life and, and his outlook on, on art. But as far as, like, our podcast is concerned and our one of our questions that we've been exploring throughout the, since the beginning is whether or not Dune should be filmed, I'm wondering... Wade, if my reading of if your opinion after seeing this is 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 that I my my thesis is that Dune is unfilmable as a as it is right now in in the in the form of the novel it it's it's unfilmable for a movie uh, to be truthful and have it be watchable. Is your feeling is is that the stuff is there in the novel, but it needs like faders. Like you need to like yeah. fade up on some stuff and fade down on other stuff. Is that, is that correct? Right. We're, now I was going to want to know what, what James thinks at this point. Well, after well let seeing... me ask, well, let me, let me ask you, uh-huh. Wade, do you believe that Dune could be Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings adapted or should could uh, or should? Yeah, you could. I don't know that. Well, everybody, I mean, you can, but would it, would it work in any way? It would work, but it would be like, I wouldn't like the ideas that it was selling. Like, it would be like, I can argue. Eugenics? You're not a big fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, you know, it's like those hero or Chinese propaganda movies that are actually really well made, but they're like about dying for the state or something. It's like, I don't. But I'm saying you wouldn't enjoy, you would, so you, I mean, I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but let me just say it this way. You wouldn't enjoy an authentic adaptation. Well, my point is that I think you could make, I think there's enough of the world building in there that you could make an authentic adaptation of Dune, but coming at it from different first principles and tell a good story with a message that I want. But the first principles that Frank Herbert's writing the book from are eugenics are great and <laughs> and and feudalism is fine if you're a good guy. Can you give me like without going into like your plot? I don't want, like uh, like what has been how has that been done before? You're what, Wade Bowen's Dune? <laughs> is that what you're asking? <laughs> oh, I want to give it to you, but. Now I don't have the time. Well, do we'll say that for we'll say we that should, for the we'll, yeah. we will have our that, but, but but James yeah. at this point and, and we we've seen like one and a half cinematic versions of of Dune. Is your <laughs> where are you on the scale? Like me being one end, whereas like it, the book should never be. Nobody should ever try to make no, this I, into a movie. Yeah, no, I think and I, I've been pretty clear on this. I think the story is is broken. I don't think it's a very. I don't think it. I don't think it works as a story like at all. I do think that like you could make a movie like this is where you would like you're stealing from Dune, but I think you could make a convincing movie about people who uh, have uh, pissed 
piss collecting suits that they drink from and ride worms and are fighting and, and are mining a substance that is key vital to the galactic empire and are waging a, a freedom war against that. I think you can make that movie. I don't think from a plot by plot synopsis of this movie, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't. And I think that, um, what people like about the movies, they like the worm riding and they like the desert scenes and they like the, so I think that, but like once you get to the mechanics of the story, which is a political story, like, I just don't think it's so weirdly <laughs> broken that I don't think that you can make a movie about it at all. In any, not just in the 20th century. I think that it just, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's, and I think that if it, if it succeeds, it will succeed in this. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm because I generally don't have a, a, like a, like, I don't know, like I'm not smart enough to understand the future prescience, like you're the smart. stuff that we keep talking about. <laughs> don't sell yourself short, James. You're a smart guy. <laughs> oh, thank you. But I, I don't, I don't get it. So like, I don't get it and I don't get how it's compelling as a story feature. And I just so I don't know how that would work in a movie. So I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm with you. I I, I don't I think that you can make an unfaithful adaptation to it. Well, I think it depends great. on what you mean by faith. Like it's a it's a different medium, so you have to change it. The story. I'm, I'm you using can, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. As yeah, a, yeah. Which you know they also change stuff too. Which yeah. Well, cutting Duncan gunning Duncan Idaho is not unfaithful to right, an adaptation, right, right. but cutting like how the book ends right but i don't think you i think you need to make it not quite so rushed but what happens at the end of the book i think you could do fine and still tell uh, make a movie out of it but you'd have to tell it differently and yeah you'd make it not quite as rushed as it is in the book and some other things that i would kind of throw into and and have themes that run in throughout the movie that I mean change. how much of it had need to be changed before you, what the story of that you're telling is fundamentally different than what Frank Herbert was trying to tell I guess well I well, well what, the, what he's trying to tell maybe but I you, I would be telling basically the same story where the same things happen okay well that's where we're at right now what you know, as a, as, you know, as a, a, a podcast, uh, collective, we were, mm -hmm. yeah. we're, we're trying to take the temperature of, and, you know, we're, we're hurling towards Denny Villeneuve's Dune. I mean, you didn't fully express your, your unfilmableness feelings of it. Or did me? I, did, I mean, I did like, in our first podcast. I think, like I said, uh, I think it's a death of by a thousand cuts. I mean, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a, the practical stuff, uh, you know, being I really find that the the four year old if you have a child actress that's four years old and she's saying those like there's no way to get a a good performance out of a four year old. Uh, yeah, so, especially talking like that. So right. They so, just dubbed. They just dubbed. They just dubbed, dubbed a kid, a, right? Yeah, they dubbed. Right. By the way, that actress is uh, D girl from the, uh, from oh, the Sopranos. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's I mean she's Alicia Witt. She's a I mean she's in a lot. If you if you. Uh, if your mom has ever made you watch Hallmark, yeah, it's, not, it's not amateur hour. I mean, that that's a professional yeah. actress. I right mean, she's there. a four year old girl, but, but yeah, she my, grew up to be <laughs> right. She, she's looking all like uh, Ron Howard's brother on Star Trek. You but, can't uh, exactly, yeah, and that's my yeah. thing with kids in small kids playing like precocious roles, adults. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, the nature of her character is weird, and anytime you project that on screen, you have to you have to lean into the weirdness. Like you have to go full bore with the weirdness for that to work. Sure. Um, uh, yes. But I don't think I, I've I got think another idea. Fail... CGI kids. Well, <laughs> hear yeah, me out. Like, no. see, exactly. No, 
Why wouldn't they? They probably will. I mean, they had a CGI Sean Young that was fairly convincing in Blade Runner 2004. Uh, mm. But you know what? As a viewer, I, was, I wasn't I was like, oh, that's Rachel. I'm like, oh, how did they do that? Like, right, oh, right. isn't that yeah. neat? You're, all ma- you're automatically taken out of the moment. I think anytime you're in a, in a movie, a cinematic movie, the most ideal cinematic experience is to just not be taken out of it in the moment. And anytime you have something that, like, hinders that inherently you you leave room for error i guess and so that's a lot of my problem with with dune i think the voice is another thing like it was handled fairly well in this i thought I so guess, too but yeah. it's pretty damn similar to the force so in popular culture yeah. you're never going to be able to get away from that because that that right has already been laid i think you so you you have a lot of uh do you things where it gets going to take you out of it I think that's what makes a good movie, though. I mean, there's where, a, yeah. I think it's it's where, one thing. It's part of what can make a good movie. I think it's one of it. I think it's one of it, you know? Yeah. I, and I think that there's just so many things that are unfilmable. If we go back to that a good movie weaves a web and takes you on a journey in a world and in an environment, then, like, uh, Peter Cushing popping up in Rogue One took me out of it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, there, I, 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 think, I think that's a scale. Sometimes it... You know, I don't know. I mean, some people might get really angry with Mick Jagger, Fade, Rautha, and Orson Welles, Harkonnen, or something. Some people might just be like, oh, my God, I love that guy. You know, Orson Welles is, I mean, Orson Welles is a talented actor. Let's put it that way. If you put, I mean, you can't, like, I don't think putting Orson Welles is better. That was just an example, you know. Yeah, but yeah, but I do think that Dali would be. Yeah, but also I think it would be, like, for me, it would be stunt casting, but it would also be awesome. Like, it would, yes, I would say, oh, hey, that's Dali, I know. But also it would make sense to me, and, you know, I could be, some people have different, uh, thresholds for that is all i'm saying if beyond if beyonce was in the avengers well what if we're just making it a total brechtian version <laughs> of uh well, of Dune then it's where... different. well brecht is different <laughs> well, yeah. i just think there's there's a lot of stuff that's un that's not filmable in this and mo- most of it is because a lot of it takes place in people's heads and that mm-hmm. if you're i'm just saying that you're going to there's a way to retell the story but then you you're getting to the point where you're putting a different emphasis on your sure. own story rather than what's in the book. Right. Well, but you know, it's, you can find different interesting ways to visualize what's going on with the prescient stuff or the same way that dude with Lynch does finds a really interest. I don't know what the fuck is going on with the folding space scenes with the, uh, you know, flying sperm maggot guild navigator, but it's awesome. That's like my Isn't, favorite scene of the movie. Have we said in, at any point in this movie that this is a colossal flop? <laughs> like this movie made like oh, one it, million. This movie cost like fifty million dollars and made one million dollars <laughs> at the theaters. This was the most reviled movie at one Razzies this year. This is the most hated movie of nineteen eighty four. Yeah, and a lot of people say ruined. Uh, the advancement of sci-fi blockbusters for generations. Yes, that interests me. That profoundly interests me because at this point, we are done with with Star Wars shit. 
that we've got, oh, we yeah. had Return of the Jedi in 1983. Now we've got which do, Lynch turned turned down turned down the, in 84. We've got we've got uh, we've got Dune, and we don't, I don't know if we've had a sci-fi movie that that cost over 50 million to make until 1994. Ten years later, when we have Jurassic Park come out, like I don't know. That's true. I do not know. I mean, there was take place in space. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there, like you know, but not at on this scale. I love Last Starfighter, but uh, that's a that's yeah, a hell of yeah. a good question, though. Yeah, but that is that is we get. I mean, everything that is from here on out is like a rip off of something. Mm-hmm. You know, like Mac and Me. Oh you God, know, you get that <laughs> Last Star the, La- Last Starfighter came no, out the same. The oh, Last okay. Starfighter, yeah. Uh, what about Flight of the Navigator? That was one of my. That favorites was a little bit kid. later, but here. But again, that's also. Yeah, but that's pretty. But that's Disney, and that was Disneyfied. I mean, that's that was sort of marketed as a Disney. But I, and I don't know how much that. And it, it, that thing is a lot of adults talking in rooms. So yeah, it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like they have a whole lot of uh, money they got to yeah. spend there's on. Not, there's no HR Geiger set pieces in right you're not getting so mobius and hr geiger and toto in a room to make <laughs> right. flight of the Navigator. i mean I, I mean yes I, and i do think that you get like i mean there was movies like i mean i guess cocoon is a sci-fi movie and like it's that kind right, of stuff right, right. it's the it's not epic space battles and now we live in an era of almost un undaunted epic space battles right <laughs> like, we're, we we are we are bored of epic space battle movies. Yeah, so we've come out of it, but Dune was a very vital failure. This is the my favorite story coming out of this is that it was it took a long time to release because Lynch kept fighting the cut and he fought it ira- like irrationally, like and it's everybody was like you need to stop fighting the the cutting of this movie, just let it cut. And because he signed a multi-picture deal with Dino De Laurentiis, and at the end, Dino De Laurentiis was like, we're firing you. We're, fi- we're closing the contract. And Lynch said, I still want to make one movie, but I don't want you to cut my... F- I'll make one more movie, but I don't want you to cut my fucking movie. And he says, I will offer you $1 million to make your next movie. And you get final cut, but you get paid bottom scale. Uh, thinking Lynch would just say, fuck it and leave. Uh-huh. Lena, and De Laurentiis like, alone. And, and Lynch is like, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> like, and it was like, and he went on to make Blue Velvet and it was, you know, it was a huge success and, and De, La, De Laurentiis. But there was like a, you know, it's always used to like uh, famously David Foster Wallace and his profile of David Lynch uh, talking. We can't have oh, yeah. a podcast where we don't talk about I David know. Foster Wallace, uh, where he, he talks to this as like a, like a character building Sort of, this is what Lynch like to to know Lynch. You need to know that story mm-hmm. is not just so much that he was fighting because he wanted those forty minutes. He just didn't like anyone touching his movie, right? And, and so, and he's never really done any, you know, since even the, I mean, even the Twin Peaks Returns thing. He had final cut right. on that, and he wouldn't oh, yeah. budge until yeah, he, he had fought it, for so. him too, right? Yeah, yeah, he fought like shit. And they cut a lot of uh, his budget, mm. and he said fine. So, and it looks, it doesn't it doesn't look like the most expensive <laughs> show in the world sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's where, like, yeah, so that's the story where, whatever, we can get out of this. Our next, our next podcast is on the, the, uh, our next one is on the three episode, four and a half hour long 2000 sci-fi channel miniseries starring uh the only actor you're gonna know is william hurt plays to cleto 
Um, well, Susan Sarandon and, was in it. Uh, Susan Sarandon is is in the second one. Children. Oh, of okay. Which I don't think we're going to do. A <laughs> we we're not doing Children <laughs> yeah. of Dune. Oh, we're, we're, you guys. I might, watch, I might watch it on my own time. <laughs> oh, we'll do, gonna... oh, come on, guys. <laughs> just read the book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's uh, it is an ad- that one is an adaptation of both Messiah. Oh, and so Children so you got to read both the books. It, okay. <laughs> and starring the biggest actor of all of them, James McAvoy is the lead, but he's only in the second one. Um, there's no one else you've heard mm-hmm. of in. In Lynch Dune, unless you're really into BBC stock actors from the 80s or Czechoslovakian actors. Okay. Um, but William William Hurt is in it. Uh and it's uh it's a thing, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we'll have a lot to talk about or not. I'm interested to see where this goes. All right. But it is uh it is the most recent and it uh by uh its importance is uh to everything that we talk about here is it was so successful that uh, Sci-Fi Channel accepted, signed uh, uh, Ronald D. Moore to make Battlestar Galactica. Oh, interesting. There you go. All right. Yep, yep, yep. All right, kickers of elves out. All right. I'm out. (laughs) He's out. Walk without rhythm. It won't attract the worm. They have to take so much Xanax and Adderall and stuff like that. Yeah, that yeah, I right, know that right. their systems get out of tune. Who does? Yeah, the dogs? Yeah. Porn, Porn stars. Star. Oh. 